So we're taking a semi-sort of break from our River Life DNA series uh, to talk about baptisms. While baptism hasn't been a fundamental building block of our church, it has been a huge part of the life of River Life. In fact, over the last four years, 51 people have gotten baptized here at River Life, which is awesome. That's 51 people publicly proclaiming their faith in Jesus. 51 people who symbolically died to their old self and were risen to new life. And that's 51 people who celebrated their union, their connectedness to Jesus Christ and the church. And that, that's why we're talking about it. Because we're going to be doing baptisms. We're going to be setting up here for October 14th for more baptisms. Because I absolutely believe, and I know firsthand and then secondhand, there are, there are still a lot of you who have not been baptized. So, before I get started, I want to do a little poll here. So, take out your phones. Take out your phones. And if you don't have your phone, you can borrow from whoever's next to you. Just grab it out of their hands. Okay? So, go to riverlifemn.com slash poll. Riverlifemn.com slash poll. And you'll see a very simple one-question poll there. Now, this is for all the Christians in the audience. If you're not a Christian, first of all, that's, that's wonderful you're here. Thank you so much for being with us today. It, then, and if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook on this one. Don't worry about it. But if you are, answer the question, have you been baptized? Yes or no, fairly simple. I didn't want to tax your brains too much today. So we'll just try a simple yes or no. And I've got the results that will show up on my tablet here. So go ahead and vote yes or no on this one. If you're a Christian, have you been baptized? Now, the last time we did this, uh, we, we ended up with about a third, 32% of the folks in the audience. This was back in 2015, said they had not, the Christians had not been baptized. And so let's see what we're looking at today. Let's see. So far, okay, we're looking at about 86% yes, about 14% no, okay. That's awesome because we've had so many baptisms in the last two years. Way to go. Way to go. Okay. I'll keep refreshing. There we go. Okay. We're up to 15% no's. That's all right. That's all right. There we go. Okay. There we go. S send in those, those last few votes here. And it looks, like, it looks like we're settling right down at 15%. Give or take a few. There we go. Okay. So... 15% of you out there, Christians, who are, who are saying, I have not been baptized. Well, if you are part of that 15%, today is for you. The rest of you, take a nap. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But the rest of you, the rest of you, see, this is important for you as well, because chances are you have someone in your life who has not been baptized. And whatever might be holding them back, you will have an opportunity between now and October 14th, to talk to them about it. Ask them. It's a great question of, hey, have you been baptized? Okay. Ask them. Find out. And then, then if you run into some people who haven't, or maybe, maybe you've got some kids who, and you know they haven't gotten baptized, and, and they're old enough to understand Jesus and salvation, and, and, and they love God, and you have a chance to talk to them now. And so when you talk to them, I want to make sure that you understand baptism biblically, correctly, accurately. And for the rest, for those 15%, 
Today is especially for you. Because I have one goal with this sermon. One goal. Is to allow space for God and His Word to convince you to get baptized October 14th. If you are a Christ follower, that is my goal. All 15% of you, that's my desire. So that the next time we run this poll, it'll be like 2 3% haven't been baptized. So that's my goal for today. Now, to do that, I want to start off by showing you four words. Belonging, belief, behavior, and baptism. So what do you think, in your mind, as you look at these words, what do you think is the connection between those first three words and baptism, the last word? When you think of baptism, which of those words do you think of? Maybe it's, maybe do you get baptized to, because you, you belong to a church or you belong to a denomination. Maybe you belong to God. How about do you get baptized to show that you believe certain things? You believe the Bible. You believe all of the Bible, some of the Bible, that, that once you take, once you believe enough and believe enough things, then get baptized. Or do you get ba baptized to show that you behave in certain ways? Like, you don't have sin in your life, you do good things and you don't do bad things, you be nice to people and not be mean to people. Is it, is it the things you do, how you behave? And w then, once you quit your sins and you're behaving right, then, then you're ready to get baptized. So what is the relationship between all of these words? Well, another way to ask it, is to think about if you haven't been baptized, so for those 15%, if you have not been baptized, why not? What is keeping you from saying yes? Maybe, maybe you're sort of new to church and you haven't been around church for a while and you've never really heard about baptism, so you don't really know what it is and what it means. That was, that was me as a new Christian. I didn't get baptized until five years, no, four years after I accepted Christ. Because I never really heard about it. And then once I heard about it, I was like, I got to do this. So I got baptized. So maybe, or maybe you're just feeling you're not ready. There's something about, I'm just not ready to get baptized. Or maybe you've been told things by parents, pastors. You've heard things like, you can't sin after you get baptized. We've, we've heard that one from parents. Or this idea that baptism is just for really good Christians. Or, or if you ever had someone tell you this, that you don't take your faith seriously enough to get baptized. Those, those are all firsthand things that before and I have heard um, from me in my youth days or her with her noche, with her women's ministry days. And so whatever your reason, whatever your reason, chances are that it traces back to how you understand these words and how you understand the relationship between belonging belief, behavior, and then baptism. So what is the proper understanding? What is a good biblical understanding of baptism? Well, to answer that question, we're going to take a whirlwind tour of the book of Acts today. Now, Acts covers, about, <coughs> excuse me, um, covers about the first 30 years after Jesus died and was resurrected 
And it really shows the birth of the church and the birth of what we might call evangelism. And, and the book of Acts covers, it covers the Middle East, it covers Turkey, it covers Greece, it even covers Italy and Rome. Um, and so a whole bunch of regions over about 30 years. So we are going to take a whirlwind tour of 10 baptisms in the book of Acts. Because you see, Je Jesus following Christianity was brand new. So that means thousands and thousands of people over those 30 years chose to follow Christ. Which meant thousands and thousands of baptisms. And we get 10 stories in the book of Acts. 10 individuals, families, fam larger family groups, even throngs of thousands who got baptized. And we're going to look at those. And the goal here is I want you to pay attention to the pattern. There's a pattern with all 10 baptism in baptisms in Acts. And it's not going to take too long to see it very clearly. So, the first one. The first recorded baptism happens in Acts 2. It was Jesus, he, he was resurrected, he ascended, which means he returned to God in heaven. And then Peter, the leader of the disciples, uh, he, he was, they, were all, they were praying and they had this incredible Holy Spirit moment called Pentecost that was visible, miraculous, public, and amazing. And so then Peter stood up and preached. And he preached to a predominantly Jewish crowd. And he taught them about Jesus. That Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. And here's how he finished up this amazing sermon in the book of Acts. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I can't imagine baptizing 3,000. I think my, my right arm would just fall off from dropping everybody into the water and lifting them back up. 3,000 people believed in Jesus that day. They were baptized. That baptism followed their belief. Second, Philip, one of the church leaders that came, came a, little, a few chapters later. Philip, he was, he was um, preaching, he was performing miracles and in, in a region called Samaria. And the, and the Samaritans were sort of looked down by the Jews because they were, they were half-blood Jews. They were, they were kind of sort of a mixed race, mi mixed ethnicity, and, and the Jews didn't like because they weren't pure. But, but the, the disciples loved the Samaritans. Jesus loved the Samaritans. And Philip here was preaching. Um, and here's what happened. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. In case you ever think that, that the early church, the original church of Jesus, was all about men and patriarchy, not Acts does not paint that picture at all. Men and women get baptized. They believed, they got baptized. Next, in the same story, the same region, there was a powerful person in the area named Simon the Sorcerer. And he too heard Philip's preaching. You can kind of guess what happened. 
Simon himself believed and was baptized. He believed, he got baptized. Fourth, later in that same chapter, there's a story of a high-ranking government official from Ethiopia. And he was most likely, he was, he was a, a God-worshipper. So think of an Ethiopian, either a Jewish-born Ethiopian or an Ethiopian who converted to Judaism. I'm not entirely sure. But, but he, he was, he was high-ranking and he was wealthy because he was riding a chariot. And like regular folks didn't ride chariots. And he was riding along, reading the book of Isaiah, reading, and that alone meant he could read, which probably put him in like the 1% of the time. So he's, he's reading, but he's not understanding what he's reading. And so all of a sudden, God directed Philip to say, go to that chariot and talk to that Ethiopian guy. So he did. And then and he started sharing about Jesus out of the book of Isaiah, that Jesus was this prophesied deliverer and Messiah that Isaiah wrote about hundreds of years prior. And here's what happened. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture in Isaiah, in Isaiah and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the, the eunuch said, Look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I love this story. It's actually one of my favorite baptisms in all of Scripture. He pulled his chair. He literally slammed the brakes on his car and pulled over. And then he said, what can stop me from getting baptized? I believe in Jesus. What can stop me? And I think some of us, some of you, that th those 15%, that's, you can say that. What can stop me? What objection can I come up with that can stop me from getting baptized? He believed in Jesus, and this one, immediately, they pulled the car over, and he got baptized. Now, that's amazing. Fifth, one of the most dramatic conversions in, that we read in the book of Acts is uh, one we might know of as Paul. Before he converted, he was known as Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of Christians. He was a high-ranking religious leader, and he killed Christians. He was as anti-Christian as they came. But Jesus met him in the desert outside of a city called Damascus. And Jesus miraculously appeared. The resurrected, risen Jesus appeared to Paul. Literally knocked him down. And said, why are you persecuting me? Paul was so struck that, that by this that Jesus even blinded him. And he was blinded for three days. Thankfully, he had traveling companions who led him into the nearby town. They found believers, and, and then those believers prayed for Saul. And here's what, how the story goes. <coughs> Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Immediately, something like um, scales fell from Saul's eyes. And immediately, he was baptized. 
And if Saul, a murderer of Christians, could get baptized only because he believed in Jesus Christ, so can you. There is no possible objection you can come up with if Saul could get baptized and his life transformed by God. Sixth, the first Gentile convert to Christianity, the first non-Jewish Jesus follower that's recorded was a guy by the name of Cornelius. And this, this guy, Peter, so Peter, leader of the disciples and kind of leader of the church at this point, he had, he had received a vision from God to go visit Cornelius. And what was awesome is at the same time, Cornelius was receiving a vision from God to get ready to receive a guy named Peter. God spoke to both of them. Peter went to Cornelius' house and to his whole household, which probably means his, his wife and his kids and his servants and everybody. Peter preached the gospel. He spoke of the good news of Jesus Christ, that you, you don't have to pay the penalty for your own sin, that Jesus Christ paid that penalty. And you can have an eternal life with God. And sure enough, here's what happened. When Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. No one can stand in the way of a believer, of a follower of Jesus Christ getting baptized. No excuse, no thing you've heard from a parent, from a pastor, from a friend, no objection you can come up with can stop a Christian, a Jesus follower from being baptized. Seventh. Seventh is a merchant woman um, named Lydia. She must have had some wealth. She was a successful merchant in the town. Um, and she lived in the city called Philippi. It's where the Bible gets the book Philippians. She lived in that city. Now Paul, so Paul had converted, and he, had, and he was now a missionary. He, in fact, he was the biggest missionary of the, the time. He had, he had a ministry team that went along with him, but like he was the guy. And he started traveling. And he started traveling up along, if you can picture the Mediterranean Sea, traveling up from the Middle East, up along the Mediterranean, into what we would call Turkey, and then eventually over into what we would call Greece. And so here's Lydia. L Lydia, and what's awesome is um, that Paul was preaching to a group of women, which, first of all, back then, men did not do. But these weren't ordinary men. These were Jesus' followers, where all are equal when they come to the cross. So here's Paul preaching to a group of women. And Lydia says yes to Jesus. Here's what happened. One of those listening was a woman from the city of um, Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, which means she was a convert to Judaism. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. She opened her heart to Jesus, and she got baptized. What's the only requirement for baptism? Open your heart to Jesus. That's it. Let's go to the next one. The eighth one. 
was this Jewish leader named Crispus. Now, he was in a city called Corinth. That's where we, the, the New Testament gets the book Corinthians. So he lived in that city. Wealthy, port city. Um, and, and he was a Jewish leader, which means he was probably wealthy, successful. Uh, and Paul was preaching in the city. And here's what happened. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. They heard, they believed, and they were baptized. And that's what we see over and over again. And if you're, if you're a Christ follower, then at some point in your life, you've heard about Jesus. And you have believed about Jesus. Nothing is stopping you from getting baptized. The ninth was a nearby city. So you go from Corinthian, for Corinth over to the nearby city of Ephesus. That's where we get the New Testament book, Ephesians. So an, another uh, big, successful, kind of high-class city. And Paul, when he came to Ephesus, he found some disciples. And particularly, these were disciples of John the Baptist. And if you recognize that name, that was the guy who was actually Jesus' cousin, who came before Jesus, and he was preaching repentance in the desert, and he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. But this was before Jesus came on, on the scene. In fact, Jesus himself was baptized by John. And that sort of initiated, it kicked off his ministry. So, so Paul found some disciples of John the Baptist. But they weren't quite, they didn't quite know about Jesus. And they didn't quite know about the Holy Spirit. And, and so Paul explained it to them. He explained what following Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. That John the Baptist, he was just a road sign. He was a pointer. He was a precursor. He leveled the way. He got things ready for Jesus. But Jesus, he was the main act. And Paul explained all of that. And here's what happened. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is, believe in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these guys were as close to Jesus' followers before Jesus came. So they were the original hipsters. They thought Jesus was cool before he was cool. And, and all of a sudden, but they missed it. They missed out on Jesus. Paul told them about Jesus. They believed, and they got baptized. Lastly, the 10th baptism we see in Acts. Now, this one, okay, I'll have to admit, I kind of cheated on this one. This one wasn't an actual baptism, but it was Paul preaching about baptism. But I just couldn't do nine baptisms. That just sounded way too wrong. Ten sounds way cooler. So I admit, this one isn't actual baptism, but it's one of my favorite lines about baptism in the book of Acts. So here, Paul, Paul goes into Jerusalem, and, and he gets in big trouble with the Jews. They have him arrested. They're actually plotting to kill him. And this might sound familiar. It's the same thing that happened with Jesus. They were plotting to kill him, but he had a chance to speak. He had a chance to speak, and sure enough, he spoke about Jesus. He spoke about Jesus, and he told them his own testimony of being transformed by Jesus. 
And so then he said this incredible thing in the middle of this testimony and this gospel message. He says to this crowd of Jews, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on Jesus' name. What are you waiting for? And for you 15% out there, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So there you have it. Ten baptisms, well, nine and a half, in the book of Acts. That happened all across the Middle East, Turkey, Greece. That happened over the course of about 30, 25, 30 years. Did you see the pattern? They believed and they were baptized. And you know what, if I had the time, I would have read more with each chapter. Because what happened with each one of those times is those people got plugged into the local church. Notice how often I said that that city of Philippi, that's where Philippians, the city of Corinth, that's the book of Corinthians, Ephesus, that's Ephesians. These were all places where churches were founded. And so, so every single time they believed and they got baptized. So at the beginning of the sermon, I throw up these words. Belonging, belief, behavior, and baptism. And in, in Scripture, we see this pattern over and over again. I believe I mean, you could see it in these ten baptisms across the book of Acts. Here it is. Baptism is a sign of belonging to Christ. It always follows belief not behavior. Let me say that again. Baptism is a sign of belonging to Christ. It always follows belief, not behavior. In fact, nowhere in Scripture do we ever see an example of someone who believes in Jesus, then kind of has to get their life in order, and then they can get baptized. These are, these, these are everybody from um, Greek God-worshipping people to murderers of Christians to people we might call agnostics or even atheists. All they had to do was believe in Jesus, and the disciples baptized them. So what do you need to do around River Life to get baptized? Believe in Jesus. You don't have to quit your sins. You don't have to get your life in order. You don't have to try to do more good things than bad things. You don't have to be a good Christian according to whoever's definition is drilled into your brain. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Then get baptized. What can stop you? Like the Ethiopian said. What's keeping you from being baptized? See, getting baptized is a sign that you've given your life to Christ. Not that you have perfected your life in Christ. It doesn't mean you're behaving in a certain way. It doesn't mean you're a super Christian. It doesn't even mean you're a mature Christian. 
All it means is you are a redeemed Christian. And that happens when you believe in Jesus Christ. You can still be a messed up Christian. You can still be an unsure Christian. You can still be a doubting Christian. You can still be a barely Christian. And you can get baptized if you believe in Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in Scripture over and over and over again. So what's holding you back? I love that we have had so many baptisms here at River Life because it means people are throwing off these objections that they've held on to for, for years, sometimes decades. They're letting God break down those walls, those objections, those things, those hesitations, those things that are keeping you away from experiencing union or coming together with Christ and his church. So what's holding you back? Well, maybe you say, I'm just not ready. Not ready for what? Are you not ready to belong to Christ? Are you not ready to say, I believe in Jesus? I accept his payment on the cross for my sins? Is that what you're not ready for? Are you not ready to believe that Jesus is your Savior? And if so, that's okay. We are all on different places of this spiritual journey. And River Life is a place where you can belong here. No matter where you are on this journey, you have a place, a home here at River Life. But if, but if you are a Christ follower, and there's no doubt in your mind about that, and you say, I'm just not ready, what are you not ready for? Maybe, maybe you say to yourself, okay, I need to clean up my life first. I got things in my life. I got habits. I, I got addictions, and I know they're not part of God, and God doesn't like that stuff, and I know that. I just need to clean up my life. You're focusing on behavior. Your heart, and, and you're making your faith about, you're making your belief in Jesus about behavior. Now, behavior matters. That's, that's what the, the life of the Christian is. It, it, the Bible calls it sanctification. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. But baptism is not a marker that you've become some percent of Jesus. I'm now 50% Jesus. Whew, I can finally get baptized. No! All it means is that you believe in Jesus. You take Jesus' forgiveness for your sins. You, you're taking him as your leader, your, your Lord. That's all it is. Maybe, maybe you say, okay, I need to grow more in my faith. I'm not strong enough. I, I, like, I'm not a good Christian like my brother, like my parents, like my friends. I'm not sure I believe everything in, in the Bible. I, I need to grow stronger. I need to believe more. Okay? I need to have more faith. You know what? If that's you, the only thing you need to believe to get baptized, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, and you are giving your life to him. Period. That's it. And if you can say that, you qualify to get baptized. Congratulations. And if you're not sure of that yet, that's okay. Keep coming to church. 
keep encountering Jesus. Keep interacting with God's people. But if you can say, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, what's stopping you from getting baptized? What could possibly get in your way? Because baptism is a sign of belonging to Christ. And it always follows belief, not behavior. So, if you are a believer, if you are a Jesus follower, and you have not been baptized, today is your day to say yes. Today is the day to say yes. I am rejecting the, things I've, the wrong things I've heard about baptism. And I am embracing what the Bible says about it. Believe, get baptized. So, in the last four years, 51 people around River Life have done just that. And only a small fraction were new Christians. The overwhelming majority of those 51 percent, sorry, those 51 people had been going to church for years. Or they'd come back to church. They just had wrong beliefs about baptism. So ditch those old beliefs. They are hurting you and they are hurting your relationship with God. Get rid of them. So, I want to close with this challenge. That if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, there is no legitimate reason not to get baptized. That's what we see in Scripture. There's no good reason. Whatever reason you can convince yourself of, it's a bad reason. And you're missing out on something God wants for your life. He, you are missing out on a fundamental part of the Christian faith. Now, baptism doesn't save you. Don't get me wrong. You could die unbaptized, and you will, as a believer in Jesus, you will spend an eternity with God. Baptism does not save you. But it is a critical fundamental, important, essential part of the Christian life. So say yes to baptism. Now, if you don't believe fully in Jesus, that's okay. You're on a spiritual journey. God's, God's drawing you closer and closer toward Him as you learn more about Jesus. But remember, baptism is a sign of belonging to Christ. It always follows belief not behavior. And if that's true, what can keep you from getting baptized? What can keep you from walking out of here today over to our info table and writing your name down on the sign-up sheet? There is nothing that should stop you from doing that today. Now, I am not a big high-pressure guy, and if you've been feeling pressured and guilted, I am sorry, that was not my intention today. So if you are, take a deep breath, cast off the guilt and the whatever you're carrying. But God wants baptism for every one of his followers. And if you remember what Paul asked, what I read earlier in Jerusalem. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of Jesus. So what are you waiting for? If you have questions, come talk to me. I would love to talk because there are also some details. Maybe you've been baptized as a baby, as a kid. Um, maybe, maybe you've been baptized in a different denomination and you're like, did they transfer? I don't know. But if you've got questions, 
come talk to me. Okay? Yeah, you know, transfer credits, like who knows, okay? <laughs> um, but go on. If you're feeling God saying get baptized, go out to the info table after service. Sign up. We've got a blue sign-up sheet out there. And let's, let's get baptized October 14th. I would love to be the one to do that with you. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship with you. We don't have to live in our old selves, our sinful selves. We can live a new life in Christ. We can be combined. We can be united with Christ. That is an incredible gift because it's nothing we've done to deserve this. And it is not at all based on what we do. It is entirely based on what you have done for us. God, and baptism is a ceremony, it's a ritual you've given us to celebrate that. So I thank you for this ceremony, this ritual that we can celebrate people and their relationship with you, their, commotion, their, their, their commitment, their devotion to you. Lord, and I pray for those 15% out there. God, <coughs> God I pray that they, they can hear from you. Not me, but they can hear from you. Inviting them into an experience they have not had. And that is to die to their old selves in baptism. And to be raised to new life in Christ. So I pray for those 15% here. That you can draw them to a yes. Not out of guilt, pressure, but out of love for you. And celebration of their life in you. And I look forward to the 14th where we can celebrate as a church family all of those people saying yes to Jesus and yes to baptism. So thank you, Lord. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.